Welcome to Creative Mind Living, a podcast for personal growth based on the works of Carl Jung, neuroscience, and Eastern philosophies. We are your hosts, Deborah Barrett Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado, founders of Creative Mind Coaching. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a soul session on a lovely Saturday afternoon. How are you, Rob? Good. How are you doing? Good. We are talking about a topic that is um, probably very common. The question we get a lot is, how do we deal with stress? Yeah. Is anyone under stress right now? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of change going on in the world and um, always change in our life. But how do we deal with stress? So we're going to answer, what is stress? Mm-hmm. What is the mind-body? And how do we shift the mind-body so we feel better in our bodies and our mind <laughs> around the world and what we're experiencing? Yeah. Yeah, so let's start with stress because um, we have our own definition or our own take on it. Let's yes. Say. Um, but we'll cover kind of the basic scientific or psychological definition of stress. Okay. Okay. So what is the psychological definition of stress, doctor? Well, it definitely takes the body as as this biological machine mm-hmm. that is meant to respond to the environment. Mm-hmm. It's designed to respond to the environment. And so it has a lot of sensory apparatuses to detect danger. Mm. Anything that's dangerous in the environment, your body is designed to focus on it and make sure you're aware of it and that you notice it Mm. so it doesn't kill you. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's one, uh, one way these are stored is one genetically, we have certain things that stress people out that are uh, stimulates from our ancestors, right? That we. Very much so. Um, We can say that our systems are designed for survival. Mm-hmm. And really they they do, let's say they fit in perfectly in, in a natural situation, in a natural environment mm-hmm. where like we were meant to fields. be, <laughs> we were meant to look out for predators, yes. uh, make sure we, we understood where the fo- food was and be aware of dangers from strangers other tribes and yeah those kind of things yeah mm-hmm. and be very uh, let's say we're very attuned to social rejection as well mm. because social rejection means that you're oh, there's safety in the group mm-hmm. there's safety in numbers and then if you're kicked out you end up uh you're in trouble you're in trouble because you had to take care of yourself so um, yeah so the, all those systems are operating now except now we're moving in traffic Mm-hmm. in an office situation or right now at home with online and social media and we're getting threatened by people but it's not like they're going to kill us but we're almost threatened by other people's ideas or other people's uh not liking our stuff or or arguing with us and uh yeah the problem is that our system responds as if we were threatened 
physically. Uh, yeah, that if, as if our survival was threatened mm -hmm. by a Facebook uh, post. And Some random person that you never met <laughs> yeah, is get, getting in an argument with you and you're just like, your blood is boiling and you're triggered. and That's right. And it's very unhealthy mm -hmm. because what happens is if we don't have a natural way to, to let's say, to deal with those situations, um, responding on Facebook is not uh, a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, you might respond uh, by saying something back to somebody that disagrees with you, but that's not going to uh, calm you down or, mm -hmm. or make you feel less stress because now the mechanisms are uh, in overdrive. Mm -hmm. And now what happens when your stress is that uh, the emotional brain kicks in, mm -hmm. all the defense mechanisms kick in. And they override the logical thinking part of your mind. Mm. So now you're reacting and responding from this very primal um, emotional mind. And if you try to talk yourself out of being stressed, it doesn't work because that mind is, the logical mind is not even available to you. You're just re reacting and reacting and you're kind of caught in that That's triggered right. response. Yes. And so the research shows that the chronic stress mm. is really the most harmful. Mm -hmm. So it's that subtle, like the, those people that really get mad at us, they, uh, we could, we know it's there, but it's that subtle stress that you're not even realizing that you're stressed out. You're on this, you know, mm. you're ignoring it or suppressing it and your body's doing something, but your mind is doing something else. And you're not even realizing all the pressure you're, you're, putting on yourself. And that's Very what much. chronic stress is. We learn to almost like uh, anything we learn, our body learns to numb it out. Mm -hmm. The, the, the trigger after a while, it's just like, I'm just going to find a way to put yes. it aside because it's getting disruptive. So I'm just going to push it down, but the body's still, still processing it in a way. Yeah. So we can define stress as this natural reaction uh, and the, the, the systems that we have to respond to the environment mm -hmm. in emergencies, in life-threatening situations, in difficult situations that are meant to and designed to help us. Mm -hmm. But when they're over-triggered and triggered by stimuli that we have no control over, mm -hmm. then we're in trouble because we're stewing in all these neurotransmitters and hormones that are kicked uh, uh the, the system is kicked up uh, by, by the stress, and that energy has nowhere to go. Mm. So we kind of simmer in these, these uh, very harmful hormones that are stewing in our bloodstream. You know, um, one of my friends, she taught me this technique for when, we, uh, when you speak. That um, if you're you get that adrenaline flowing because you're you're really kind of preparing for battle when you speak, <laughs> <laughs> you feel your your ego thinks that I'm going to you know face the enemy here, and so we're all ginned up in the in ourselves and it's like this tension. And um, she said, just put your hands against the wall, like almost like you're doing a push up, but lean back. So you're putting pressure on your hands and you're taking that energy and it's surging out of your hands. It's like you're exerting the energy because we need to do something like uh, some people like 
run, do run in place or they shake it off and before their performances. And it's that kind of, we need to do something with this energy that's in our body. But if it's chronic stress, we don't even realize it's there. We just kind of, we're yeah, not we even, learn to live with it. Yeah, we learn to live with it. And we're just kind of like, that's just the way, like we don't even know how to relax, basically. Yeah, yeah. So let's go to the next uh, level or next point is um, what is the mind-body? Mm -hmm. Because that's really what we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Now, why do we call it a mind-body instead of just the body and the brain or the mind? Uh, because re recent research as well as, um, let's say, the wisdom traditions of yoga, uh, the Upanishads, Gita, uh, they conceive of the body in a very different way. It's not of this physical machine that somehow produces awareness. Like a robot. Yeah. It, it's um, That comes online. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the concept in, in a lot of modern uh, science is that um, our brain is like a computer. Mm -hmm. But it's the other way around. Computers are similar to our brain mm -hmm. or they do similar things as our brains do our brains are the primary ones they, mm -hmm. they're the ones that produce computers not the other way around wouldn't it be that our consciousness is a computer in a way let's say consciousness expresses itself in a computational way okay right that that's a kind in a of, pattern or kind yeah. of structure right not always though mm -hmm. Because in, in the Eastern philosophy, uh, consciousness is a pure state. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have any objects, no computations, mm. no thoughts, no emotions. And then it pours into a comp uh, the Maya that creates the physical, has these patterns in it, and then it pours into that. The, the biological world arises from consciousness. Mm -hmm. So it's very much uh, as if you are looking at um, a virtual reality. Mm -hmm. The objects in that virtual reality world are made out of pixels and light mm -hmm. and electricity, energy. We can think of uh, the, the manifested universe in similar terms. It is created out of consciousness, out of light out of awareness itself and it is created from that energy of consciousness mm. it appears to be separate from us and separate from our our own awareness but in reality it's arising in our own awareness very much like the headset that we put on with a virtual reality that shows us that internal world mm. of the virtual reality mm -hmm. And so that's really, and, and now this is based on current uh, understanding of consciousness, not only the ancient wisdom, uh, but it's also being supported by uh, our current understanding of awareness and consciousness. So it's a mind-body, meaning that just like uh, we become aware of our own body, that means this body, the way you can see it, is part of the virtual experience of consciousness. Mm. The awareness is creating it for us. 
So it's not a separate. So we are consciousness. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Our body is made out of consciousness. That's why it's best to call it a mind body instead of a body. the body and then the mind separately, mm-hmm. which is the Descartes kind of came up with that division and, and science has used it for a long time that way, mm-hmm. that our bodies are separate from our minds, mm-hmm. that they're made out of two different substances. In reality, no, it's consciousness is both, it's creating both our minds, mm-hmm. like our individual minds and our individual bodies and the experience of the world. Mm-hmm. Everything is arising from that one consciousness. And you are that consciousness. And you are that consciousness. But let's get back to the practical aspects of this. What are the implications when we are experiencing these stressful situations in the simulation? (laughs) Uh, Well, most people would say, well, let me uh, take a bubble bath. Let Mm. me walk away from the situation. Let me meditate. Let me um, write down the list of all the things I'm grateful for. Um, Eat, distract myself, drink, smoke, do something to get rid of the stress right and so how do i get rid of the stress how do i run away from it or suppress it or just know that this is just part of life almost like we learn to live with it we we learn to tolerate the stress so we go into a job every day that eats at us but we say you know we're getting the paycheck so we're getting some kind of payoff from it so we just kind of tolerate it and we never really cope with it and we never really think like almost like in a way we don't think that we do have a choice that we're stuck. And so that's the worst thing is that there's nothing we can do to escape mm. it. So that would be the normal, what a lot of people do to deal with stress. So, but there is a better way, more constructive way to work with stress. Absolutely. Um, so let's say we consider these two elements that we know we're experiencing because mm-hmm. we're not denying stress. It's obviously there, we're experiencing it. But what we want to do is we want to correct the perception of what what is stressing us mm-hmm. and why is it stressing us, right? So the misperception comes in this in this way that we think there's something external that is producing the stress mm-hmm. that. Causing this, the, st- the cause ca- is external. Yeah, that the cause is external, precisely. Mm-hmm. That something external to me is what's causing me to be stressed. Because why is that misperception there? Because it appears that way to us. Mm-hmm. It, our senses are designed to look outward and to perceive things as if they were separate from us, but they're not. Mm-hmm. So that's where the higher understanding comes in. Now we can correct the misperception. We can understand that everything I'm experiencing, everything I'm aware of, regardless of where it's coming from, regardless of its source, if I am experiencing it, that means I'm experiencing it in my mind. It's not regardless of its apparent source. Because the source is always within you. The source is always within you. That's right. 
which means now by implication it means you are the one that has control over it mm -hmm. whereas when you perceive it to be outside of you external to you mm -hmm. independent of you you have no control over you're it. projecting your power out to someone out out to the external you're relinquishing any power over it you're mm -hmm. saying how can i control the world that's out there if i'm not connected to it if i'm independent of it or mm -hmm. it is independent of me that makes perfect sense you don't if it's independent of you you have no control over it it's going to do what it's going to do and you're going to be stressed because you can't control it well, I like the analogy that I've read in uh, Swami Vivekananda. He said that um, it's like we're, we believe what we're the cork that's bopping up and down on the top of the ocean and being tossed about by the waves mm -hmm. and going, oh, poor me, poor me. The world is, you know, these waves are, by, you know, all the storms and kind of helpless to the storms of life. He said, but we really, truly, we are the ocean. We're not the cork. And it's changing that perception that the cork is mm. just a very tiny little, uh, if we come from that perspective that the world is bigger than us, these waves that come in, these challenges that come in, these people, it, we should feel stressed. I mean, it, it really is like uh, when we were, um, you know, uh, cavemen, we didn't have the the enlightenment that we do now, that, that connection that we felt. Maybe some people, the shaman in the group may have done that, but the average ordinary person still felt like they had to, physically survive in the world and mm -hmm. so we do this all the time right so the implications of uh, let's say the correcting the misperception mm -hmm. that we are experiencing mental experiences now we're not denying the experience mm -hmm. the the experience is happening but it's happening in a mental stage mm -hmm. not in a in the apparent reality of the external world going on somewhere independent of us. Mm -hmm. Like it's a random uh, bad luck that happened to us. Yeah. Or that boss that is causing us stress is just random. Like, you know, I just got at the wrong job at the wrong time with the wrong person. That's right. Um, also, we are then correcting the, the misperception that the stress, that the cause is coming from outside of us. Mm -hmm. the, the anger, the frustration, uh, the anxiety is arising from within us, from our own mind. No one can put anxiety into you. No one can put anxiety in our mind. They no. could trigger what's already there as a mirror, but they can't actually create the anxiety you create it within yourself it's created from within exactly mm. uh the experience let's say can trigger that yes but the experience is happening within you as well mm -hmm. so it's a difficult adjustment to make because we're so conditioned and and our senses let's say present such a convincing appearance of things uh i think einstein said Reality is just like a dream, but it's a very persistent illusion. <laughs> yeah, it's a very persistent one, right? Mm -hmm. It it appears to us to be external to us, mm -hmm. and that we have nothing to do with it. But the gradual adjustment that we we want to make in understanding the mind body and how it experiences the world, 
is that we we have to own it. It's arising from within us. And the great news of that is that if it's arising within us, we can control it. We can work with it. So how do we shift it? We shift it, first of all, by making that adjustment, understanding that I'm seeing my own mind. Mm -hmm. In whatever stress situation I'm seeing, I'm seeing my own mind. My mind is telling me to be stressed about this. My mind is telling me a story or responding to the external and triggering a stress response Yes, because of previous experience with this very same, same stimulus, stimulus out there. Uh, whether it's in my lifetime or genetically, we all have those, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze response that coded in us yeah. genetically. So we are going to have those responses automatically. And then we decide what creates those responses. Very much what, so. You know, we decide. Uh, and, and for us, I think a lot of people think, well, the what you said before is that we're we're not really in survival anymore. We're not really worried on a deep level of, about someone killing us. I mean, there are cir circumstances where we, mm -hmm. we maybe we've had that experience, but for most part, we're not worried about that. But most of the, I think we're worried about is social shame mm -hmm. and rejection. And I think that is what causes a stress. We may think it's about money. If I pay, don't pay my bills, if my boss is not nice, or I'm going to be alone, you know, this, um, no one's going to love me. It's the shame of who we are. And that kind of like, I need to fit in with everyone. I need to look good. I need to have this persona mm -hmm. to, um, to feel safe. And that those assumptions that we made are, are when you say the cause is within us, we're the one who are, de are deciding that there's some yeah. people that it doesn't bother them. So how could we say that everyone feels the same way? Everyone doesn't like that one boss or doesn't feel appreciated by that one boss. It's what about you? Like what, how are you relating and your self uh, assessment is mm -hmm. all about um, preserving that, that kind of self worth. That's right. Uh, and so we're dealing with it, three elements mm -hmm. thought, which is kind of the analytical interpretation of what's going on mm -hmm. like we we create a narrative uh, a structure to the situation mm -hmm. so in with a boss situation i might say um the boss is not acknowledging my needs mm -hmm. or my voice or he's gonna fire me so i gotta be on guard and stressed out he doesn't like me right uh emotion which is the anger or frustration in, of the situation mm -hmm. that is really tapping into previous um, conditioned reactions that we've had in similar situations. Mm -hmm. So it might go back to the way I experienced my father mm -hmm. and the frustration that I had with him overriding my voice or my desires mm -hmm. and me having to, with, to repress those emotions. Mm -hmm. Now they're coming out and they're playing into the situation. So thought, emotion, and behavior. What am I doing? You know, what action am I taking? Am I not able to set the boundaries that I need to set? I need to speak am up. I, I need to fight this person. Am I going to the bar immediately mm -hmm. when I'm stressed by the situation and drinking myself silly? 
What am I doing? Am I avoiding confrontation? Mm -hmm. Do I tell my other friends about how I hate the boss, but never tell the boss directly? Like, let me tell you how I feel. Passive aggressive, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is there, there's a mechanism in our mind that's called the witness mind. So the witness mind is the one that is able to observe our own thoughts, emotions, and behaviors mm -hmm. and assess the situation from a neutral perspective. It's the witness mind. It's it's not a participating mind. It's not ju a judging it's, mind. It's not a judging mind. It's simply witnessing, observing. That is going to give you the power to manage any stressful situation. Now, it does require some practice, of course, like mm -hmm. any new skill. We're not used to using that witness mind. We're used to reacting and wanting to fix the situation externally. Mm -hmm. Again, chess pieces around. Yeah, we're misperceiving the situation and, and acting out of that misperception. Mm -hmm. Now, we're not saying not to take action. Of course, we need to take action in whatever situation we're doing, but we we're going to take the action from that higher perspective, from understanding it through the wisdom mind, through mm -hmm. the observation of the, the witness mind. So how would you... Is explain that. So here it is. Here it is. If if I ask you, think of a horse. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just take a little time. Imagine a horse. Now I ask you, are you thinking of a horse right now? Mm -hmm. Your mind is able to observe its own thoughts and verify whether there's a horse in there. And there's a thought of a horse in there, yeah. Or not, mm -hmm. right? So you can say, yes, I can see it in my mind, or no, I can't, I can't imagine it. Mm -hmm. Either way, that ability to, of your mind to observe its own thoughts, emotions, behaviors, that's the witness mind. And it's a very powerful mind. It's not actually involved in the thought itself. It's a, it's a pure awareness that is observing the mind doing its thing. So how is that the same as mindfulness or is that different? Depends how people define mindfulness. There's a lot of variation. Mm -hmm. But I'd say it's different. It's a little bit different because it's, it's more like a our natural mind. Mm -hmm. You're not really creating any any new state of mind. Mm -hmm. You're simply using... Like, I'm going to do this in a very loving way. That would be more mindfulness. Like, you're intending yeah. where your mind is while you're doing something. This is just witnessing. Just okay. witnessing. That's right. But what it does, using the witness mind, what it does, it gives us that non-attachment to the thoughts mm -hmm. and the emotions. We don't get caught up in it. We don't have to be fixing the thought or the emotion or the behavior. We're simply observing it. Now, what we know about observation is that it changes the nature of the thought and the emotion and the behavior. It's like that, uh, that um, research where they had the productivity expert come in yeah. and they wanted him to, you know, assess everyone and then come up with a plan and to increase productivity. To increase productivity. And then he had just didn't do anything yet. He was just watching them. 
And they said, oh my God, a productivity is up 30%. What did you do? And he said, I haven't even started yet. I'm just witnessing, observing, observing. Yeah. and it changes. So it's really your awareness changes things. And I think a lot of people think they're, they're trying so hard to, um, to work with, you know, not being stressed that it could be easier than just to just having that awareness, make that change, that observation, make the change. Well, the ultimate, uh, the ultimate understanding is that you are that witness mind. You are mm. not the thoughts. Mm. You're not the emotions. And the way we've been conditioned is to think that we are the thoughts. That mm. if I have a, a bad thought, that makes me bad. Mm -hmm. That if I have a negative thought or a negative emotion, that means I'm bad. I'm shameful. I am. Or I am having this stress where you could, as the witness, you're just saying this. I'm observing, I'm observing my mind. My mind is being stressful. Yeah. And and the thing is, you will you won't feel like you have to fix it. So when you stop judging the stress as something to get rid of, it actually goes away. But it almost increases stress trying to get rid of stress. That's right. That's right. That's why I'm saying we try to make it so hard that we have to like do all these things, mm -hmm. take bubble baths and <laughs> relax and run, go for a run, you know, to burn off the stress. And we have to kind of work through it to get rid of it versus we could just observe it and go, oh, that's interesting. My mind is telling me, you know, to worry about this. And I'm noticing I'm, I'm, my mind is stressed about this. And you're taking the eye out of it. And you're kind of building like a little buffer between you and your thoughts. And you're starting to mm. get back in power. Yeah. Then you can use visualization in a very powerful way. Mm -hmm. With that, that understanding that you're directing your mind to do the things that you want it to do. Mm -hmm. Instead of buying into the external, creating an internal conflict or... Uh, stress situation, and then buying into that whole package of I'm stressed because I can't control these external situations. That That's the key. So number one, you learn to use your witness mind. Mm -hmm. You learn to observe your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors from that witness mind. Non-attached. Non-attached. Not trying to fix not it. Not judging. Non-judging. You're simply observing. Mm -hmm. Then you start to understand you are that witness mind. That's mm -hmm. the real you. I'm yeah. not this a frantic thinker. That's not who I am. You know what I, I started to do, um, and I often tell my clients, is to say, wow, that's interesting where my mind went there, just there. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's interesting where my mind is yeah. taking me. and it, Or the mind has taken me versus I am believing this it's oh this like other part of myself it's almost like my oh look what my hand is doing it's like not you uh you think of mind is just the the process of the mind is just one thing uh you know what i love about what you um you use the word ego as a as a as a um, system or um, a process a function a function just like digestion so when you're you have indigestion mm -hmm. and your digestion isn't working you're not going i'm such a bad person because I feel stomach ache, you know, you're just saying you're aware that your body's having some disruption. And so what if we looked at our, the stress and the, the thoughts of our mind the same way is it's just, there's something clogging up the digestion. Uh, my mind is digesting the external world 
in a, in a, maybe in a not healthy way. So it's kind of like having a mm-hmm. disturbance of that digestion of ideas or of I- input of stimulus. So it's, it's a process, but it's not who we are. And we, we just think we're, we're the thoughts. Yeah. Um, there's a whole philosophy that comes from um, yoga. That's uh, called the five sheets. Mm-hmm. And it explains a little bit in more detail what the body, the mind body system is. Mm-hmm. It's not the, this duality of our body as a, this physical, robotic, uh, biological element, and then the mind, this ethereal kind of uh, thinking stuff separate from, from the body. It, it essentially presents us uh, a model that uh, almost like a gradation mm-hmm. going from very gross uh, physic physicality, like uh, the cells of the body, uh, the 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 bones and the the blood tissue, and then gradually works with inward into more subtle forms mm-hmm. of energy. And that, that's a more realistic way of seeing the body, actually. So the first two elements is first the physical body, the way we, we experience our, our physicality. It's really the tangible, the part we can touch and feel. Right? Yeah. They, they, and see. they call it the food body because it's constructed out of the, the food. food we eat and the elements, of mm-hmm. the, you know, the water we drink and, and those kind of things. And it it creates this physical body the way this food body. Yeah, I love that because a lot of people get overly uh, like worried about their body and who mm-hmm. the body is who you are. It's just a bunch. Of, it's food. It's, it's, it's considered like your food. Yeah, you it's eat. considered the external covering of who you really are, mm-hmm. of that pure awareness that's mm-hmm. in you. the The external covering is is the the uh, the physical body. Then moving inward. You have the energetic body, the vital force within the you. The prana. Yeah. If you've ever seen uh, a dead body, uh, it it has no animation to mm, it. Very rigid. Yes. Lifeless. The, the energy, the life force has left it, and it has no animation it's just to food it. now. It's <laughs> just the food. That energy body is kind of what uh, animates and quickens our our physical body mm. and it and it's it's related it's interwoven with the physical body but it's separate it can it can leave it can uh change it doesn't need the physical body that's right then moving further inward we get to the mind the mind then is the one that creates that internal experience for us and interprets the sensory experiences that we're having through our body through the light that we're seeing, the sounds that we're hearing, it puts it all together and constructs an internal image of the world. So the physical body is the brain, actually. And the prana, the etheric body, animates the brain. Mm-hmm. Because after, if the prana is not there, the physical brain won't process. And then the mind is like kind of the receptor, the, the uh, kind of, it works with that process. It's like a it's a central computing system, yeah. like the CPU and mm-hmm. computers. It's the like one the software that, versus yeah. the hardware. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, and it it creates that virtual reality for us, mm-hmm. and it's it's very personal. It's like interpretation. You, we're in the same room, but your mind is creating 
your own virtual reality, which has its own perspective. And I have my own perspective. Like I can't see, you can't, I can't see what's behind me, but you could see yeah. there because my eyes are, my physical body's looking out, but then my eyes are witnessing that. That's right. Looking. Then deeper still, there's a, a more subtle level to the mind. It's called the intellect. And the Greeks called it logos. And um, in, in Sanskrit, it's called vijnana, meaning wisdom. Mm. It's the wisdom mind. It's higher than, than the sensory. Uh, thinking mind. The thinking mind. It, it's able to kind of think about its own thoughts. It's self-reflective. Self-reflective, a little bit more logical, a little bit more detached from the emotions. Intuitive, yes. creative. That's right. Then deeper still, we experience uh, the blissful mind. Mm. We experience that actually every night when we fall asleep. Mm. When we're in deep sleep, we go into a blissful state. That's why we feel refreshed when we have a good night's sleep. But that, that blissful mind can be reached through meditation as well. Mm. As we go through these layers of the mind and we go inward, we can reach that blissful state of mind and regenerate ourselves, mm -hmm. feel more energetic and peaceful. Then we get to that witness mind, which is called the Atman. Mm. It is pure awareness, pure bliss, pure consciousness. And it's at the core of who you are. In Western uh, traditions, they call it the soul. Mm. It is the soul. It is indestructible. It is who you really are. And... You know, in, in a lot of, um, let's say, religions, they talk about the, these things, but they say, well, you can only experience this when you die or, you know, once you're gone. The, uh, the Upanishads explain that this is who we really are right now. You don't have to wait to experience these things. Mm. It's, it's who you are, but you have to realize it. You have to decondition your mind Otherwise, you're caught up in that external projection. So the mind is, the ego mind is always pointing outward, yeah. feeling powerless like the little cork, looking for the wave, next wave that's going to come and on guard. But the true mind, the divine self, which is the divine intellect and the pure mind, is the ocean. It's that kind of uh, deeper knowing that nothing can shake me. And mm -hmm. I'm creating from the inside out, not the outside is telling me who I am. That's it. And it begins by this practice of practicing understanding your thoughts, your emotions, your behaviors through that witness mind, mm -hmm. observing it without judgment, without getting caught up in the thoughts and emotions that your mind is experiencing. So how practically would be the next step for people now that we're um, getting close to the end? Um, what would you say a good practice would be to reduce stress besides just, I mean, is the witness mind just getting in and watching your thoughts really the first thing they should do and anything after that? We can say that it, it like any discipline, like any art, the more you practice it, the better you'll become at it and the more benefit you will derive from it. So how do the five sheaths relate to the witness mind? 
how do they use that information to to use that meta consciousness? Do they imagine the five sheaths like I've done, or do you feel like that's necessary? Or I I say at advanced levels, yes, you 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 get to the point where you can imagine the sheaths as coverings of that pure awareness. Mm. So who I am is the pure awareness. Yeah. Uh, because essentially the first principle still applies that we are experiencing our, our mind-body as a mental construct. Mm. It's arising out of consciousness. So it doesn't exist as, as we perceive it to be a physical object. It exists as a mental object as a mental experience. I think that a lot of people, like we were saying in the beginning, they feel that they have to do something with it, you mm. know? And I think it's just, it's so un, like almost like un, uh, unbelievable that if you could just put your, uh, be in that awareness, that would actually would change the, the, the quality of your thoughts just by being aware of them. Well, because that awareness that pure awareness is not only pure awareness um let's say in the in the way we're used to thinking of our mind as being aware like when when we wake up in the morning it's actually pure bliss mm. and pure being mm. and pure consciousness so when you identify with that as your true self you are already experiencing that you're already like you don't have to go through the uh, finding a cave and going on an adventure. Yeah. You already have everything within yourself already. The awareness is always there, but it's like those Russian dolls that are like have you know the little one inside that covers it over. It's already inside of us. That's it's already right. here. It's already being aware. We yeah. just don't pay attention to it. We get distracted by the world. Right. So it's not about attaining anything. On the contrary, it's a kind of about de-identifying with your body and your mind and your ego, letting go of the, that uh, false identification. So as you, if you were very externalized, we worry about the physical body, what people think of us, the breath and the life and, you know, mm -hmm. what, what am I going to do with my life? And then the mind is like, we're all caught up there and that, that the, the most outer portions of our experience directed outward, uh, we get caught up in it. It's like a rushing river and we're just kind of swimming, like trying to survive. But as we take a step back, it's like standing on the edge of a, a rushing river on the bank and being that awareness going, wow, look at that mind. Look at that craziness that's happening out there. And then what happens is that it will stop the storm. Yeah. It will stop the storm because the storm is as exacerbated by you thinking it's real. Yeah. Would you say uh, that that's a good way to put good it? Way to put it? Absolutely. So um, any last words, Rob, about mind, body and stress that you can do? And I, I think uh, that to feel like you don't have to do much to get rid of stress, mm. that if you just sit with yourself, I mean, sometimes I remember when I, um, before you and I started working together and I was just starting my little hypnotherapy business and we moved to New York, I was so stressed out and, you know, kind of ex very externalized. And I just would fall back into the bliss. I would have this like kind of like, it was like a, um, like a net. 
Mm. And uh, it was this like beautiful light and I would just be like fall back into it. Like the pure awareness is holding me. And I remember thinking to myself, there's nowhere to fall. Like I'm always going to be caught. And there is something about resting in that pure awareness that immediately dropped the stress in my life. It didn't change external circumstances overnight, but it helped me get clear because we can't change the external if we're in fear and stress. We're just going to repeat and feel defensive and we're going to create more problems if we're in that stressful state of mind. We're not allowing that intellect that you said, that divine intellect, that's that intuition, that insight, that wisdom to actually shine through and, and, and direct our life. Yeah. The key is to, to bring this knowledge to mind mm. so that we can always remember who we really are mm. and then to practice this metaconsciousness, this uh, observing from that witness mind, everything we're doing, thinking and experiencing. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. We will see you next time on our soul session and uh, look forward to hearing your comments and seeing you soon. All right. Take, Take care. care. See you soon. Bye-bye.